Hello, hello. My name is Daniel, and you're listening to the Engineering Success Podcast, episode 51. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. It's early Sunday morning. I'm hanging out with Baby E. We've both been up since 5 a.m. It's been a long day. We're going through a little bit of a sleep regression right now. It's uh, not the most bueno, bueno experience, but it is fun getting to hang out with Baby E early in the morning. And also having this time to shoot the podcast as they lay next to me. Let's give a couple shout outs. Shout out to John Ott and Leroy Jenkins. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast as top tier supporters. I really appreciate it. You too can be a top tier supporter. If you, uh, $10 a month gets you a shout out at the beginning of every single episode of the podcast. And that helps me pay for my website, which is www.engringsuccess.com, where you can see articles and uh, get posts, more expanded posts of the descriptions of each episode. You can and see the original text that describes each episode in those posts. Instead of having to click through all the links in the show notes, you can actually read the posts that I'm responding to. And also, you can just see random articles about my opinion about different engineering career topics. I, I've slacked a little bit recently, but I'm, sh- I'm sure I'll get one up there eventually. And you can also write into me at daniel at engringsuccess.com. We're going to be answering a couple of different career questions today. But if you want to have your career question answered, you can write into me there. And uh, yeah, that, that that's the podcast. So I look forward to getting into it. But uh, real quick thing, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but We've actually had some success on YouTube recently. It's it's been very exciting. We've we've had one of our videos, uh, "Why Is the Engineering Dropout Rate So High?" spike recently, and we're approaching fifteen thousand views. And we're actually on pace. If we were able to continue this pace that we're on, we'll be able to monetize on YouTube soon, which is very exciting. Uh, so just uh, great developments all around. Thank you guys so much for your support. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick little breather. Just kidding. We're not taking a breather. We're going to go right into this week in LinkedIn Lunatics. All right. So let's go into our first one. Best rejections I've ever had. All right. Best rejection I've ever had. Good morning, so-and-so. Unfortunately, on this occasion, you have been unsuccessful. Some feedback from the interview for you. We were very impressed with your technical knowledge. However, you did struggle with the performance-based questions. If it's any consolation, you are in the top three out of 30 applicants. So well done for making it that far in the process. David and I would like to thank you for your time so far. I would like to welcome another application from you should another role with Optech become available in the future. I wish you the best of luck in your job search. Kind regards. This is not a lunatic. This is actually really good feedback. This is from r slash recruiting hell. And I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of really, really bad experiences people have had with job applications and also getting ghosted by recruiters at the end of the interview process. It seems like this person had gone through a pretty extensive interview process with this company. It's really nice that they gave some really nice feedback for them on their interview process and how they did in some areas maybe they could improve in. So good job, Optech. Who is Optech? Well, let's see. Optech is... Optech displays. They do LED digital signage. Okay. Well, good on you, Optech. Shout out to you. Zero out of 10. Not a lunatic at all. 
Thank you so much, Optech, for valuing the time of the people that you work out work with and interview. That's very kind of you. Good company. Sounds like a great company to work for. And David and them sound like good people to interview with. So good job. All right. So we had one that was not a lunatic. Let's see what it's like to experience a lunatic on LinkedIn, or at least a post that appears to be lunatic-ish. Let's see. All right. Next one is titled, Such Advanced, Much Innovation. Agree? All right. Why organizations should charge a fee to accept applications for employment? In matters of the heart, emotion trumps logic. Okay. So I hope that what they're saying is, is that you may um, uh, emotionally or logically, it might make sense. Um, actually, I don't know. It, it reads bad both ways because they might be saying logically, it makes makes sense for organizations to accept charging a fee to accept applications for employment because it costs money to handle them. But emotion tells us not to. And that would be bad because it's not logical to accept uh, charge a fee to accept job applications. That's just a, a business cost. You, you gotta you gotta plan that in your overhead. That's just an overhead cost for a business. So that's not logical. And if you read it the other way around and you said, well, in the matters of the heart, um, I want to. My heart feels like I should charge a fee for accepting applications for employment. But logic, logic is telling me that I need to. Logic is telling me that I need to not accept applications for employment fees. Um, then, then that'd be bad too, because in your heart you feel that you need to charge a fee. That's bad. So all around, all around, we should not be charging a fee to accept applications for employment. That sounds crazy. It just sounds like a way to <laughs> to not get any applications for your company. I, I don't think it would work out for you the way that you think it does. I think it would just mean, oh, nobody applies. It's 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 almost like uh, an MLM or a pyramid scheme where you you just. In, in their vision of it working, maybe you're just farming money off of job applications because you just post these ridiculously amazing sounding job opportunities that, but yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. There, there's no world in which that makes sense where you charge a fee to accept a job application at all. Uh, the person says, wow, who's paying the fee? The unemployed? Nice try to take money from the poor. It's an illegal lottery. Okay. So People are reacting very strongly to this. So it makes me think that, yeah, that wouldn't work. So this is a startup hiring expert is what that person says their tagline is. So maybe, maybe they're just joking. I hope they're joking. I hope they're joking. All right, guys, let's go into, that was LinkedIn Lunatics. Let's go into the interview question of the week. We have a new segment. Thanks to our audience members. Shout out Mel Phillips, a listener of the pod, loyal listener of the pod. Uh, she suggested that we do an interview question of the week. And this week's interview question of the week is, how do you respond to the question, tell me about a time you failed? Okay, so I'm going to tell you how I would respond to this question and some some, some things that I would do. And uh, to how do I structure that? And then I just go, I'm going to go ahead and give you my response. Okay. So the, here's the, here's what I think. The first thing is, is be honest. Because you might, in general, it's good to be honest when you're doing interview questions. So th this should come off as, as heartfelt and, and, and real. Because uh, you might get asked questions about it. And it's just easier to, to be honest and, instead of making up a story. Then you describe the issue. Um, describe what you did to fix it. 
And then you describe what you learned from the experience and how it impacts how you go about life today. So story about me. Um, this is a story that involves a few people that I will name. Uh, shout out Stephanie and Riley, who are my classmates that I that I went through this experience with. So this happened to me when I was in college. I had a group paper and I was very confident in my abilities to contribute to the paper. So we, when we were dividing up the paper, there's a, there were different sections. And I, and I took the section that I thought was the most difficult section. And it was the most and probably one of the most important sections uh, of the paper is like the, I don't even remember which part it was, but it was the center of the paper. And I said, I'll take that part. And then I waited until the last minute to write my part the day, the day before the, the assignment was due. And then my girlfriend and I of two plus years broke up. So I waited to the last minute. And then I, when I was supposed to be working on writing the paper, I was getting broken up with. And then I was an emotional wreck. And I remember uh, basically we, I had to pull Stephanie and Riley into a, a, a study room and say, hey, I'm a mess. I need help. And that shouldn't have been what I was doing at the very end at all. I can't believe that I waited till the end to put my teammates in that situation. And the result was, is that we ended up getting a, like a 59 on that assignment. And what I learned from that experience is that I will never postpone uh, part of an assignment or anything like that to the last minute ever again. I I'm much more diligent. And I also am much more realistic about trusting my teammates and, and, and equally dividing up work between teammates, because it's one of those things where you, you're on a team for a reason. And, and, and just because you think that you're great, doesn't mean that you need to sign up for taking on more that you can choose. So I, I learned a lot about how to rely on my teammates and how to plan ahead in advance. And that's a time that I failed. And, and that's a really good example for me. So, all right, guys, well, I'm going to take a quick breather and we're going to get into our questions. So one second, we'll be right back. And we're back. Kidding. Let's go into college questions. What should I pick for college? Automotive or mechanical engineering? Hey guys, I'm still in high school and a few months from now I'll be graduating, but I'm still not sure of which course I should study for in college. I'm into cars, by the way. That's why those two are my choices. Edit, I need some hints and clues about the two. I want to know of which that courses fits me. Thanks for anyone who will give me tips I need. So I'll be honest, I'm not really familiar with a automotive engineering major that but maybe maybe it exists. Uh, maybe there are specialized engineering programs. Probably you're probably looking into a school that has one. That's great. Um, but what I'd say is that the, the mechanical engineering degree is a little bit more versatile. And, and that's what I would study. And this comes from experience. I wanted to design golf clubs for a living. That was my dream. That's why I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to design golf clubs. And I even made connections. I had an internship in the in the golf industry when I was a freshman in college, not engineering, but got my foot in the door. And then I was also lining up an internship with Nike Golf before Nike Golf shut down. And and that industry kind of tanked. And um, I'm not saying that the auto industry is going to tank, but 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 what, I, what I'm saying is, is that my interest changed. I, I no longer have any interest or desire in working in the golf industry as a engineer. It's just not is not the industry I want to work in. There's just things about the industry that, that make it a little bit more 
it's not as stable as the industry that I work in, in my opinion. So I, I prefer to be in the industry I'm in and I still get to golf, which is great. That's the main reason why I wanted to, to work in the golf industry anyways, is I thought that I get to play more golf there and I played plenty of golf now, plenty enough golf. I've had golf outings for business and stuff like that. So I say all that to say is that the mechanical engineering degree is a little bit more versatile. And if you change your mind or if you just have difficulties finding a job in the auto industry, then you can join, you can go in other industries. But what I would say is if you're really passionate about going in the auto industry, get your mechanical engineering degree, get that versatile experience, and then join your e-car, your electric car, or your Formula SAE or your Baja SAE. Uh, hopefully you're going to a school that has one of those programs. So maybe a big state school. I, I would re highly recommend going to a school that actually has a formal, like we actually build a car every year program and, and join that club. And, and that, that experience on your resume will put you heads and over heels over anybody else that doesn't have that experience. It's, it's almost, I'd say it's almost like a prerequisite to, to work for an automaker. Uh, but yeah, I would say a mechanical engineering degree, it's a little bit more versatile, but then go ahead and get involved in one of those mechanical engineering clubs. And that's my advice. So best of luck to you. All right, next one is titled Picking a Minor. I'm in an awkward position where I'll graduate May 2025, but I only have a couple of classes in my last semester. It makes more sense to me to add a minor than go to school part-time in my last semester. Part-time is expensive as all get out, and I don't get grants or scholarships on it. Makes sense. My main contenders are currently data science, 15 credits need, needed, journalism, 15 credits needed, physics, 10 credits needed, pure math, 12 credits needed, applied math, 9 credits needed, economics, 9 credits needed, biology, 7 credits needed. What minor makes the most sense for a mechanical engineering student? Math and physics seem kind of redundant with an engineering degree, even though there's quite a few different classes. What I would say is, first of all, I have an economics minor. Interesting factoid about me. Whenever I was in high school, I developed a strong passion for economics, and I even considered majoring in economics in college. I love economics. And if I had to pick one of those, I think economics is great because it helps you kind of understand the larger context uh, around what you're doing. And and one of the best classes I took in college was environmental economics, which I work in the energy transition. I work in the industry that is heavily influenced by environmental economic policy. And I got to take a class that was all about environmental and economic policy. I got to learn about how abatements work and, and how that we use uh, economic policy to drive dis behaviors in the, the, the free market. And then companies like my company are involved on the other end of the free market of implementing those things that are incentivized by economic policy. So I really enjoyed that. And if I had to pick uh, a minor, I would, I would choose environment, uh, econ economics. But what I'd say is, I wouldn't create a minor, to be honest. I have a minor. It's great. It has done as much for me as the content of the classes has done for me. Having an economics minor on my transcript has done nothing for my career that I'm aware of. I've talked to a lot of people about my career. I've talked to a lot of people about my careers. It's, it's, it's like, a, oh, that's cool. But it's not a, oh, Daniel is a proficient economist. So we're going to move him into this new role because we need to have his economic knowledge. It's really more of just a vanity. That's a cool thing. And and you should pursue a minor because you want to to learn more about a topic. And so what I'd say is if you're if you're passionate about one of these topics, take a couple classes, but don't feel like you need to get a minor. I, I, if it's the difference between having a more manageable load and just taking a couple classes that you're interested in and that you want to learn about the topics, 
versus getting a minor, I would totally do that instead, especially because you said you're gonna be part time part time. But journalism, for example, data science, that's a full semester's worth of classes, which means because 15 credit hours is like a full load. So I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't add an entire extra semester's worth of work. I would just add just enough classes to get yourself up to full time in topics that you're interested in. Instead of just trying to take a bunch of classes to check a box and get a minor, what I think you should do is instead look at the course catalog, find topics that interest you, talk to your classmates, your friends that have different majors, and and learn about what that what classes they've taken. What's the best class that you've taken that interested you? For example, I took a grant writing class in college, and it it helped me learn about how to write proposals. It was it was great, and I worked in proposals for my career. So that, that having that experience in my resume helped me get my role in proposals. So what I would say is take classes on topics that interest you. Don't necessarily be as concerned about getting the minor on your transcript. It has been nothing but a footnote on my resume, not a major topic of discussion, has not influenced how my career has panned out. What has more influenced my career is my ability to talk about the things that I've learned um, and how, like how interested I am in the broader picture of how economic policy works related to my job. So, and really that hasn't even done that much for me either. So again, picking a minor, I'd say if I had to pick one, I'd pick economics. But if I really had to go back and make the decision again, I would not have made the decision to get the minor in economics because it affected, I ended up doing summer classes one summer that I just didn't need to do summer classes. And I could have been getting an internship that summer instead. It, it just it influenced my, the way that I went about my academics in a way that I didn't need to do it. I made it harder on myself than I needed it to be. And you know, I am grateful that I did it anyways, because I, I took my environmental economics class. But if I were you, I would just take classes that interest me and not pick up an extra minor. All right. Next one. Oh, this one should belong in LinkedIn Lunatics. So we are going into career questions. I guess I put this one out of order because the next question after this is a is a is a college question. But oh, well, let's go into it anyways. Employer wants my salary history going back 10 years. A company I'm in the final stages of employment with sent me over a background screening form, which they want me to list not just my prior employment history of dates, which they can see from my resume, but also the salary I was paid. Is this a red flag? I've never had an organization ask for this before in writing. Yeah, that's a red flag for sure. I would say nanya, 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 or $1, $1, $1, $1. That's the whole point. That is why I'm jumping employers. It is because you don't get to baseline me and use my past salaries to suppress my earning potential. You just pay me what I'm worth. So yes, that is a red flag. Maybe it's just their standard thing because they're just hoping some people are are naive enough or stupid enough to give them that information. But yeah, I would definitely look at it as a red flag. And I don't know if, how they can validate it. But I mean, if you're if you're in the position where you're negotiating salaries with them, just put numbers that build up towards the salary you want. I'm not I'm not encouraging anybody to lie, but I'm also not encouraging companies to do this. That's for sure. Uh, past salaries. Let's see what the comments say. But also the salary I was paid. Yeah, whatever. Is this a red flag? The word I would use is showstopper. My previous conversation is not their business. I give this one a thumbs up, 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 up. Tell them that you can provide them that info when they provide you the info for the previous compensation and benefits for the current role going back 10 years. 
Compensation is directly related to the responsibilities and benefits received. When I made what I made somewhere else under different circumstances, like life situation, benefits, responsibilities, skill level is not germane to the current conversation. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. So this should have been in LinkedIn lunatic. I don't know why it's here, but yeah, 10 out of 10 lunatic ask of that company. No, I, I, I would definitely not give them that information. Or if I gave it to them, I would just say, oh, I don't remember. I had to round up, but don't tell them that I rounded up. That is crazy. All right. One more uh, college question, and then we'll go into the career questions. We're just breaking it up today. It's just a chaos. It's chaos everywhere. We're just having a good time. I'm having a good time. I hope you are. If you're having a good time, make sure to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give it a five stars on Spotify. Share it with somebody that you like or somebody that you don't like if you want to annoy them with the sound of my voice for an extended period of time. All right, next one. Do companies really care about student organizations? They go on to say, do companies really care about or look into clubs or organizations that you joined. I understand if it helps and even benefits, but is it really necessary? I joined a few clubs and they are good, but they're not what I'm interested in. And unfortunately, they're pretty much the only interesting ones that I could find. I don't want to be that guy that just does the work when needed because I understand that there's more passionate people than me and I don't want to hold them down or anything like that. Also, finding time for them and studying has been a huge challenge, especially since I'm commuting. If I could focus on internships and co-ops and my GPA, would that be enough? Well, Here's what I would say. I would say that if you don't have anything else on your resume, it's good to have a student involvement on there. It's good. What I would say is find one. You sound like you're in a few. And you can be a member of a few, but find one. And you don't necessarily even have to take an officer role, but officer role is a perk. But do at least one volunteer event or, or do one thing that you can talk about that, that, that you're passionate about with that club. For example, my chapter of ASME at Trinity, we hosted the freshman design competitions. So we helped organize an event where they built shoes to run across the university pool. And we also organized another event where they used a catapult to launch water balloons into targets. And we ran that event and we had people that were just members, not officers, but they got to put on their resume that they helped host those events and they got to talk about those events and how fun it was. And, and then they got to reminisce with the person that was interviewing with them on their freshman design classes and their freshman. It, it is just have it on your resume that it is more than just a, I was a member of this. Have it on your resume to the extent that I was a member and we did this. This was cool. I can talk about it. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything for you other than check a box. And you shouldn't be joining, joining clubs and organizations just to check a box. You should be joining them because it does something for you. You're dedicating time for it to it because you get something out of it. And getting out of it is from having that thing on your resume that you can talk about. Or if you're an advocate for women in engineering, I highly recommend you join SWE, go to the SWE conference, learn how to be a woman in engineer or how to advocate for women in engineering, and then also attend their career fair, which is the best college career fair ever. If you're an electrical engineer, you should join IEEE, and then you should compete in your local ethics competition. It's super easy. I did it when I was in college. It was awesome. I won 300 bucks or something like that. It was great, and I did not do any prep. I just showed up and gave a presentation on how to be an ethical engineer uh, off of a case study that we learned about. It was like three hours of my time. I got to stay in a hotel paid for my by my university, and it was a great time. But, but yeah, I would say if it's fine, finding time for them is hard, and studying, ma ma managing that with studying is hard, just Focus yourself down to one that you're most interested in and then do something with it, is what I'd say. Now, 
you say, you close your question out by saying, if I could focus on co-ops, internships, and my GPA, would that be enough? I said, GPA alone wouldn't be enough. I, I would be, it would be enough, but I would be more interested in somebody that has a good GPA and was involved than a person that just had a GPA, good GPA and also didn't have an internship. But yeah, internships and co-ops are where you make your, you build your resume. And if you have internships and you have co-ops, then yeah, you don't have to be as involved in the clubs. It's not as important, but I'll say that if you haven't had an internship before, you haven't, you hadn't had a co-op before, then having that experience on those clubs um, can help you get into that internship and also the connections that you can make through going to events with your professional chapters that go along with your student chapters in those clubs and going to national events for those clubs can help you network into those internships and co-ops. So yeah, that's my long-winded answer. Yes, companies do care about student organizations. No, they're not the most important thing, but yes, they can help you get those internships and those co-ops because they're a good thing for your resume if it's more than just was a member of. That's my summary. Okay. Next question is in the section of career questions, which is going to come right after this break. And we are back with your career questions, people. Thanks for sending them in and by sending them in by posting them on your favorite subreddit. Next question is titled, is random work experience necessary? Not talking about internships, but rather odd part-time jobs. I'm wondering, how does it look on a CV not working during school time? I am blessed that where I am, tuition is covered and government grants are okay. I feel guilty saying this, but I'd rather spend extra time on fun. And as stupid as it sounds, going into raves on the weekends rather than working. And of course, besides keeping a good GPA. I'm not sure if having odd job experience will boost your CV or are internships enough. Internships are enough. I will never look down on somebody for not working a job during a school year at all. It, it, in fact, I, I, at some point, if you have enough internships on your resume, you don't even want those odd jobs on your resume. You just want to ha have your resume be as much focused on explaining the cool things that you did in your internship and the projects that you did in class. I'd say that if you didn't have any work experience at all, if you didn't have any internships at all, then putting that you had jobs and you, you've worked in a professional environment or worked in a, just worked in general before is better than not having any work history to show for. But uh, if you if you already have internships and co-ops and stuff like that on your resume, then no, random work experience is not necessary. So that's what I'd say is it's not necessary. All right, next question. Was just rejected after three interviews, a salary negotiation, and a 15-hour project. Oh my gosh. Feeling the fields today after I received a rejection call for a position that would truly be a dream job for me. I probably put 60 hours into learning about the company, going through their training program, and even producing a real-world project for them that took roughly 15 to 20 hours over one weekend because they said they just needed it in a rush and they could move forward with me. Today, I was told that they just don't know what they want, and they are starting again from ground zero to re redesign the position. Okay. Also, they couldn't hire me because I'd require too much mentorship, and the CEO is too busy. I have 12 plus years of experience. Here's the real rub. I actually pulled out of the interview project process a week ago due to a few red flags I was seeing with the company. 
The CEO then called me four times. I missed the first three calls and he kept trying and begged me to reconsider and told me if I could just do this project to demonstrate my skills that they were ready to move forward. So I did the project, sent it to them. And then two weeks later, I got a call today saying basically the opposite of everything he told me when he called. But good news, I made it as far as any candidate for this particular position has ever made it as well. I'm sad that I won't get to do the actual job, which would have been fun, but I know that I dodged a bullet working with these people. I still feel sad and used. It feels like they just wanted my ideas and sample work, and I wouldn't be shocked to find that they go with an internal candidate. Yeah, they, they suck. That is evil. Because I'm guessing, my opinion is, is that position never even existed anyways. They wanted to use you, exploit you. They are terrible at running a business. They can't afford to pay real consultants. So they used you instead. That's why they panicked whenever you couldn't deliver for their project that they probably actually, as they said, real world project, they were completely reliant on this person that they were exploiting in it with the illusion of a fake job. I mean, they said that they're going a new way with the position anymore. So the position never even existed, in my opinion. This is just an evil company. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again other people. So what I would say is leave a review on Glassdoor or somewhere and make sure that, that that it is very widely known. I know you didn't mention the company here, but it should be widely known in the community that you work in and the people in that industry that this company did this. And you don't have to name them yourself and put, attach your name to it, but th this is evil, exploitative, and the job market is not friendly for people that are looking for jobs right now. Uh, we, the people have lost the leverage a little bit in some industries, and it is just sickening that a company would pull this on you. Uh, the CEO then called me four times and begged me to reconsider and told me that if I could just do this project to demonstrate my skills, that they were really ready to move forward. BS. For them to then rug pull you two weeks later. They negotiate. I mean, what a, what a joke. Um, the top comment is you worked for free. They now have the project and you don't have a job. People do not do anything real world or similar. Sorry, OP, you were scammed. Feel free to send an invoice for your consulting fee. Do they have clout in the industry? If I were you, I'd really send an invoice that they refuse to pay, sue them for unjust enrichment. I don't, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't comment on that. Yeah, that is... You delivered them a working project and they just didn't pay you for it. That, that's sickening. I'm sorry. All right, next question. Two more questions, folks. This one's titled, just had a company lower the salary after I accepted the offer. Ever happened to anybody else? Man, people, we're going through it right now. I have seven years of experience in my field and have not had an issue like this before. Had another offer I liked, but the benefits were better with this one. Used the other offer to negotiate a higher salary. So after all of that, they noticed I didn't get a bachelor's. Then they proceed to let me know that they have to offer me a lower salary, $10,000 lower. This already felt like a low, bar, low ball salary to start with, but I ended up declining the low ball offer because it tainted any joy I had with the idea of working with them. Yeah, I understand that. I just knew how to panic attack on Monday because I'm positive the other company wouldn't have done this and haven't ever had this happen before. I did reach out to the other offer, but I'm not optimistic. I don't blame them, but it really took the steam out of my job search and it's just been a low point in an already struggle bus year. I understand. 
Just needed to vent. This felt insane, and my friends and family are like shocked as well. My anxiety is now through the roof. I have a reliable part-time gig keeping me afloat, but this just really lowered my optimism. Has this happened to any of y'all? This has not happened to any happened to me. I, I've had my own stories with um, salaries that I, I'm not going to go into on this podcast. But if you know me, you know experience that I've had with uh, salaries before, and it, it is frustrating when you think that you're getting one thing and and then it's not quite exactly what you end up with afterwards. Uh, it sounds like that they offered it to you and and you accepted it, and 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 that's just a kind of a shame on them that. You sent them an application. It has your educational history. You probably filled out a, a, a portal when you applied that that has, did you go to college? Uh, what's the last degree that you, I mean, th there are systems in place at every legitimate company that recruits, that has any kind of formal thing, even like a company that doesn't have a formal thing. They can post their job on Indeed or LinkedIn or Monster Jobs. They don't even have to have their own recruiting platform their own job application portal to have their stuff together on this. And that's just scammy. That's just scammy of them to come around and behind you and, and do that. And, and and it might be the case that they can't pay you as much because you're not in the same job classification. You don't meet the requirements to be in a certain job classification because you don't have the degree. That is possible. But it is at, after you've accepted the offer letter is not the time to do that. And yeah, it's not, it's not the time to do it. It's, it's just not the time to do it. And that is just so infuriating. And I wish you the best of luck with the other company. That is crazy. And they'd say, name and shame, this is infuriating. 100%, this is probably the worst a company can do to a hire. Uh, yeah, it is. They should have done their due diligence before sending out the offer. It is, it is no bueno. So hopefully the other company, hopefully the other company is still on the hook. And, and the lesson learned here is until you actually sign an offer letter and you actually have a start date and they're starting the pre-employment stuff, you are not bound. I mean, America is at will employment in, in general, so you're not really that bound. But But don't cut off your other hooks until you absolutely have to. And I know that you're like, oh, professional courtesy, but things happen. I know somebody that put in their two weeks notice and then they had their offer from their other company rescinded. And then they were fortunate enough to have their current employer keep them on until they found a new job. But it was just this awkward phase where they knew that they were leaving and it, it was just not a good experience. So until you have a start date and you have, if you have an employment contract is involved, then if you've signed the contract, until you have that start date and you know that you're going and it's not just an offer, not just accepting an offer and not just receiving an offer letter and signing the offer letter. I mean, a start date, pre-employment screening, then you give your notice. Don't put yourself in a position, unless you have worked for the company before and you have a relationship and you know how they work, but don't put yourself in a situation where you could be creating a gap in your employment when you don't need to. Because that is just, it, I've heard it happen plenty of times to plenty of people where offers fall through at the last minute. They get pulled for some reason. Somebody, the person that that posted the job didn't tell the recruiting department that they no longer have the budget for it anymore. And the recruiters are going out there and, and signing. Or uh, there's, there's just so many things that can happen. It's ridiculous how many things can happen. So don't put yourself in that position. Put yourself first. Put yourself first. All right. 
Last question is titled, is it pointless to negotiate for 65K when offered 60K? This is my first full-time job. After graduating a few months ago, I was offered 60K when the range was 60 to 70K, the position is entry level, and they stated they wanted somebody fresh out of college. I don't know if this is relevant, but they reached out to me first. I have three years of relevant internship experience. My sibling is telling me it's not worth negotiating because 5,000 doesn't add much to your paycheck. I understand, but I'm commuting far, but that's at least gas money. I received an offer in June, which I declined because it wasn't a good fit for me. They offered me 65K plus bonus. So I feel like 65K is not crazy to ask for. Anyone have advice or tips on first if it's worth asking for and what I should say in my negotiation email? I have never negotiated before. Edit, thanks for the advice, everyone. Besides my sibling, I have no one to ask to get advice regarding this kind of stuff. I'm sorry if my post is pointless, but I literally just wanted a second opinion. Another edit, are some of y'all insane? Calling me entitled or petty for even asking for another 5K or saying I have an ego for sedating I have internship experience. Obviously, I, kn I know I'm considered entry level. During my interview, they were impressed. I knew how to di use different tools and programs they used. They literally stated that the person who left the position struggled with learning one of the softwares I'll be using in this position. I already know how to use it, so that helps them. No, that's the reason why I thought I deserved a little more. I'm grateful. I understand the market is horrible now. I'm not entitled. Another edit, edit because I'm irritated. The whole point of me posting here is just to hear others' opinions. Obviously, this is Reddit. This isn't the gospel. I definitely have accomplished my goal. Almost all of you gave me important insights and opinions and appreciate it. I will definitely keep you posted. And then edit, they accepted. So yeah. It is not pointless to negotiate. And, and and here's how, but before all those edits happened, I I said this, I said, I said, it doesn't hurt to ask, but some companies don't negotiate for entry-level hires. And that's the case, but this one does. Isn't that wonderful? This one does. And I got into a massive argument with somebody in the comment section. They're like, oh, well, no, no, every, 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 every position has a pay range. Yes, I know that every position has a pay range. They're like, oh, in my industry, engineering, uh, it might be a little bit different there, but everything has a pay band. I know that's what I do. I look at pay bands and rates. I know that there's pay bands, but some companies don't negotiate for entry-level hires. Apparently this one does. So great for this person. They were able to get it. And, and it doesn't hurt to ask. They're not, if you're an entry-level hire, don't expect to be able to negotiate, but try. It's, it's, it's good practice. It's good experience. And mo if it's a good, if it's a company worth working for and they're not vindictive and petty and a terrible company to work for, then they're not going to pull your offer. So yes, it is not pointless to negotiate. Go for it. Try and use the tips that people said. Say, hey, hey, the pay posted pay range was this. And some states just require them to post pay ranges. Uh, some states actually, and some companies, that's actually the pay range. But say, hey, you know what? Uh, based on our interview and based on where we're at, I, I actually think I'm more towards the middle point of, of the competency for this position. So I, I think I'd like to be at 65 instead of 60. You started me at 60. Went, I went to 65. Great. They accepted. Good. Good for you. You did it. And that's what I say to everybody is it doesn't hurt to negotiate, even if you're entry level, but don't expect it with your entry level, but it doesn't hurt. And yeah, there's a, a big, huge, big, huge argument in the comment section about don't ask for it. Do ask for it. Don't, it's not going to hurt. I mean, there, there are, there are stories about companies pulling, but those aren't the companies worth working for. It is okay to negotiate for a job offer, even if you're an entry level employee. But again, some companies just won't negotiate. But anywho, that was the podcast. I, I know that wasn't a full response, but yes, it's okay to negotiate, but more of a rant on my part, because if you go into the comment section of this post, you'll see me going into a battle with somebody. And that's just the the life that I live as a 
engineering career influence podcaster. But thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. We're lining up an interview with somebody in my industry who is a industry professional with a lot, lot, lot of experience. And we'll get that interview set up and, and posted soon. So stay tuned for that. If you want to write into your own question into the pod, make sure to write into me at daniel at engringsuccess.com. And as always, the best way to help the show grow is to share it and then comment down below. That engagement is super helpful. For example, I have hundreds of comments on my most popular video, which is why is the engineering dropout rate so high on YouTube? We're at 15,000 views. And it's thanks to people engaging with it, commenting on it and having a great discourse about their experience with the rigors of the engineering major. If you want to watch it, I'll link it down in the video notes below and in the podcast notes below. But that engagement is what helps the podcast out. So thank you for your support. Thanks to our top tier supporters, Leroy and John. And I will catch up with you in the next episode of the podcast. Thanks. Communicating, I miscommunicating. I just made a pilot, then they threw me on the stations. Now I'm not complaining, now I'm not complaining. My thoughts get complicated, I cannot explain the lameness. Never losing focus because I ain't chasing payments. Still playing in the basin while I'm working on arrangements. They heard the kid in 50 countries, thank God that's amazing. But I'd rather thank Spotify, they put me on the stage.